Let's pray as we open God's Word together. Father, as we look into your Word today, Lord, we want to hear from you. No one else. So open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to be receptive to you. Spirit of God, speak into our lives, we pray. Give us ears that hear, spirits that receive. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Last week, we looked at God's blessing. And we, we asked the question, how, how do we, well, what are we really asking for when we ask for a blessing? And if you were here last week, you may remember certain notes of denominations going around the church and things like that, talking about how and what we, what we really ask for when we receive God's blessing. And we said, first of all, that we, when you receive a blessing, really what God does is he wants to reveal himself to you. It's about who he is. And we, we looked at the story of Peter and uh, fishing and Jesus calling Peter to himself. But really what it was about was about Jesus showing Peter who he was and Peter responding to that. Secondly, we have a blessing because we need to be blessings to others. Peter, he said, you used to be catching fish. From now on, you're going to go and catch people right? It's not just a blessing for you. I'm not just giving you all these fish into your boats just for yourself. I'm giving them to you so that you can go and be a blessing to everybody else. And God always does that for us. We're never the end point of the blessing. As I said last time, if we just say, bless me, bless me, bless me, Jesus just goes, no, 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 no. If you say, Lord, can I be, how can I be a blessing to someone else? And Jesus, now you're praying right. Now I can flow through you. You will receive a blessing, but the blessing is greater than just you and me. And last week, we, we said it was to encourage us to want more. When Jesus did that and he said, now come follow me, they were like, yeah, I'm going to leave my nets. I'm going to come follow you. Why? Because I want more. I want to know you more. I want to go deeper with you. I want, I want to experience this in greater measure. And he always encourages us to want more of him. But I want to look deeper at, than that today and ask ourselves, why? why is it sometimes where we pray for blessings that we don't actually receive the blessing? How many of you have ever prayed for a blessing from God? You've asked God for something in your prayer life, and actually it's just not turned up. I think we've all been there, right? We've all been where we say, God, please do this. Lord, I need this, and we just keep praying and praying and praying. Why? Why is it that God sometimes just, just doesn't seem to come? Because we said last time, we finished with that verse from, from Luke's Gospel where he says, you know, and God loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to pour out his blessing on his children. Then why? Why is it sometimes we don't receive that kind of blessing? I'm going to read you a story today, just to give you a little bit of context.
John was in his mid-30s. He just started out in his life, really. He had a beautiful wife, Julie, two adorable little children, Jack and Susan, with a third one on the way. His marriage has had its ups and downs, but they always seemed to get through everything and work things out. And he had a good job. He had a nice house. Everything seemed perfect. Until one day when he came home from work, and he showed his wife that he had a small little sore on his hand. It was itchy. It wasn't really painful. It was just annoying. And he found himself just scratching this thing. And his wife just kept saying, stop it, stop it, just, just stop. What are you doing? But it was just so irritatingly itchy. Well, he went back to work the next day and the day after. But he recognized that the, the sore just kept getting a little bit worse. I mean, it still didn't hurt, but he thought, well, it'll probably just disappear. It's just one of those things. But the week went by and the weekend came, and he realized that the sore was just still there. And maybe it was just growing ever so slightly. And so his wife said, you know, John, you should go and see that guy in town. He knows about these things. Go, go get it checked out, just in case. It's probably nothing, but just in case. And so reluctantly, John goes. And the man stares at his hand for a few minutes. And then he goes away and he flips some pages of some books and he comes back and he has another look and he gets a magnifying glass out and he looks really closely at the sore patch on his hand. He says, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is. But you know, just to be on the safe side, I think it would be best if you were to just stay here for a couple of weeks, just so we can monitor things. I don't want to stay with you. I've got wife, I've got work, I've got... He says, no, I, you need to stay here. And so he lets his wife know. And they discuss it, and, and she says, no, maybe you should. And so reluctantly, that's what he does. And he watches every day for the sore on his hand, and he notices that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that it becomes kind of white around the edges and it stops being, it's red in the middle, but the edges start going a little bit white and he starts to get worried. And at the end of two weeks, he, he goes back and the, the guy comes in and he looks at it and he says, I thought so. I'm really sorry to have to inform you, but you have leprosy. You're going to have to leave your wife and your children, your home and your job. And you have to go off and, and live with the other people that have leprosy out in the colony you know well out of the town. Well, John's terrified. It's a death sentence. And the process of dying by leprosy is worse than the dying itself. You see, in most cases, he knows that the, the person's body just kind of rots away before his own eyes while he himself continues to live. 
But it's not himself that terrifies him. He starts to think about his wife, Julie, and his children, and the third one on the way. What's going to happen to them? Well, I'll never be able to hold them again. I'll never be able to touch them again. I'll never be able to go into my home again. What's going to happen? But he knows that from now on, the law says he has to keep as far away as possible from every healthy person. And whenever somebody he sees in a distance comes close, he has to shout, unclean, unclean, to make sure they keep their distance for fear they will catch it themselves. Maybe he said, I can just go home one last time and and hug my kids and kiss my wife. One final goodbye. The leprosy is not that bad. I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand inside my jacket and... No, I'm sorry. You have to go right now. I'll go tell your family and let them know what's happening. And so off he goes alone to rot, to die. He can't even have a pet as a friend. In case the pet, a dog or a cat or whatever it was, goes and he pats the head of it and that dog goes and and then takes the leprosy to someone else. So John is condemned to live a truly horrible life. His family come every day. Well, his wife does anyway. She comes out to a certain stone out outside of town, leaves him his food. And as she departs, he comes out and collects. It's all prearranged, the time where he has to pick up his food just to survive another 24 hours. Sometimes she brings the kids just so that he can see them from a distance. But to be honest, he kind of wishes she wouldn't because he can never touch them, never hold them, never be a real dad and real father to them. Sometimes he just watches his wife cry as she leaves the food and he's not able to comfort her. And after several years, he starts to wish that she would never come again. He just doesn't want to see her. Actually, it's more than that. He doesn't want her to see him. Because his hands and his feet and his face are now disfigured. And he keeps it all hidden behind the rags that he wears to cover his shame. He knows he looks repulsive. And he doesn't want his wife and his family remembering him like this. He wants them to remember him as he was. Some days he wished he would die. Because what's the use of living? While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. 
When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground. And he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. He said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. You know, in the Bible, we often read about leprosy, but it's just a word until we hear about John's story. Leprosy, skin diseases were awful. The consequences were awful. But Jesus came and can bring transformation. Why sometimes do we not receive the blessing? What is it that we need to do? What are the keys to unlock the blessing that God longs to give you and me in our lives? Well, let's look at this story a little bit deeper from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. The first thing we see is that one of the keys is prayer. Now, what is prayer? Prayer, somebody said, is this. It's a relational communication with God. Relational communication with God. And the key to prayer is always the same. You have to be, location is critical. Imagine this morning if I'd have got up and I said, you know, I'm going to preach at home today. Just to my, you know, I've got Bugsy sitting there in, in the study at home. I've got this huge Bugs Bunny. And, and when I was in lockdown, that's who I preached to. That was my only audience was Bugsy sitting there. Right? Imagine this morning I got up and I go, you know what? Don't fancy going to Trinity this morning. I'm just going to preach at home. I've got the message shorted. Forget about computers. That's just a distraction. I'm just going to preach to Bugsy at home. What would have happened? You guys would have turned up and you'd probably commandeer Pauline into doing something up the front, right? Because you'd go, I don't know where he's gone. One of you would have probably been sent round, but by then I was in mid-service, so that was it. Not interrupting. Because location is important. It's, it's no point me preaching at home when I should be here with you guys, right? Or if you were at home this morning, not tuning in on live stream, you wouldn't be hearing what God has to say to you. When we communicate, we have to be in the same place or at least connected through some kind of mechanism of connection. And it's the same in our relationship with God. The man, in verse 12, what happened? He went to where Jesus was, right? He went and he, he found Jesus and he said, Jesus, do something here. And it's the same with us. Now, we know that God is everywhere, right? But, but there are places where we need to go in our spirit, if you like, to where God is. In verse uh, 
16 at the end, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. There are places where you need to go to be close to God. Sometimes I just come in here and I sit by myself and I pray. Why? Because, because God's not at home? No, because this is a place where I know God is. And sometimes we have to just go there if we really want to communicate with God. You see, there's two issues in communication. One is external. We have to go and be where God is. We have to go and into God's presence. We're going to talk more about this as we look at the Lord's Prayer. But we have to go and, and see what happens here. The man in verse 12. Now Leviticus 13.45, as I'm sure you're all fully aware, says one thing. It says, if you've got skin disease, where, where are you supposed to be? Outside the town. You're not allowed to go into towns. Why not? Because you'll infect everybody else, right? A little bit like COVID. If you've got COVID, you isolate. You don't go waltzing around the center of Harrow coughing at everybody. And they had the same thinking about leprosy, skin diseases, right? You're out in the colony, and that's where you stay for the rest of your life till you die. Because if I touch, if I've got leprosy and I touch Mike over here, what's going to happen? Mike's going to catch it. That's their understanding, right? And so they were sent away. But what does this guy do? Where did he meet Jesus? In the town. He came right marching into the town where he shouldn't be, where they would throw him out. They'd probably stone him to death for doing this. But he was so, i got to go where Jesus is. If Jesus is not going to come to me, I'm going to go to him, right? I'm going to go where he is and forget about all the external problems. Forget about all the barriers that get in the way. I'm going to go because I need to meet with Jesus. And so you can imagine this guy walking around town looking for Jesus in all his rags and everybody's kind of going, he shouldn't be here. Somebody get the police. He's got to go. He shouldn't be in here. But he's desperate. He's got to see Jesus. And there's those external barriers that we have in our lives that sometimes stop us from seeing where Jesus is. But also there's internal as well. You see, we have to go and location is critical, but also our focus is critical. We need to be where Jesus is so we can focus on Jesus. So when we pray, we are there without the distractions that we have around us. How many times when you pray does the phone ring? I was with somebody this week. I was in a different church. We went there to pray. Soon as we, we said, all right, let's, we talked, and we were together, and we said, let's pray. Do you know what happened? Phone went off. First distraction. Second distraction, the doorbell of the church started ringing. I don't need to get that. He said, leave that. Somebody else is here. Carried on ringing. Ringing, ringing, ringing. Finally, he said, excuse me a moment. I have to go get it. And he came back, and he said to me, you know what? These are just distractions. Somebody is trying to stop us from praying together. And in our lives, we have so many. I'll guarantee if you go do serious business with God, throw your phone somewhere else. Turn the television off and the radio off and, and unplug the front doorbell. Get rid of all the distractions that you've got because I will guarantee you that things will happen to stop you. 
Why did Jesus, Jesus, right, the Son of God, perfect connection, it says he often had to go out to the desert just to go and be alone, to, to, to get rid of all the distractions of people and things and everything else just to be able to communicate. We need to learn to do the same thing. But it's not only external ex distractions. Sometimes it's internal too. Sometimes we, we don't get what we want because look what it says there, verse 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. We have internal things. How many times have you started praying and your mind just starts to... How many times where you sit in church and, and then you drift off to somewhere else? Oh, I wonder if I put the, the dinner in the oven. Did I turn it on? What, what I got? Oh, man, did I lock the front door? Did I close the window or not close the window? I remember opening, and, and our minds just start getting distracted, right, from God. All these things come in, and our focus is not what it needs to be. Or sometimes we ask in the wrong way. You see, the thing is here is this guy, it was like he wanted it so bad, right? That he was willing to cross everything, do everything, just to receive from God what he needed. You see, the key is that we need to have the right attitude. Let me go back. We need the right attitude when we come to God. You see, this man, he was, he was so full of, he was desperate. And he also had the courage to cross all the barriers that, that naturally were in his way. And, he, and he, he dropped to Jesus' feet. He had that humility before Christ. And then he said those amazing words, if you're willing... You can make me well. If you really want to do this, I know that you can do it, Lord. And he had that right relationship with God. Do we have the right attitude when, we, when we've approached God? When we come and we pray? Is it a, a two-minute thing? Oh, Lord, i got a couple of minutes before I go get going. And Lord, okay, now bless me, bless me, bless me. I'm out the door. Because I'm, I'm busy. I've got things to do. Or do we come and we really seek him and we cross the barriers that stop? Get in our way. You see, without prayer, there is no blessing. Prayer is the conduit by which the blessing flows. And so we need to spend time praying, need to spend time seeking God to open up that channel so that the blessing flows through the Spirit of God. What's your prayer life really like? Do you cross the barriers or do the barriers get in the way and interrupt you? The second thing we need to have is faith. Faith. What's faith? Where do you find the definition of faith in the Bible? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Correct. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. 
sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What does that mean? I'm going to lift up my iPad. Ready? Well, that wasn't a great round of applause, was it? Now, I, I had faith that I could do this. Why? Well, I've done it many times before, for starters, right? Secondly, I know it doesn't weigh very much, and I could probably lift up a chair one-handed if I had to, so an iPad should be quite simple, right? Thirdly, I've seen lots of other people lifting up iPads before as well, so I know that if it's possible for them, it must be possible for me as well, right? And I also know that I work out on a regular basis, as you all know and can adequately see, and therefore I've got the strength within this right arm of mine to actually do the task, right? Now that is faith, though. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If I had stood there and I go, oh my days, I can't actually lift this. What's going on? It's getting heavier, heavier. Oh no, I'm going to have to put it down, right? That's not faith. Faith is, I was really confident. Now, you know, if you say, well, why don't you try lifting Brian up one-handed? I probably wouldn't have the same measure of faith, right? As I do with lifting up the iPad. Because I'm not so sure. Faith is being sure. Sure means it's a dead cert, right? Certain of what we do not see. Let me put it another way. For my birthday this year, my beautiful wife decided to give me some paddle boards lessons for the two of us. Paddle boarding is like a surfboard with a long handle thing that, you know, paddle that you, you stand up and you paddle on, right? You can see the picture. We went down there to Brentford Lock, Grand Union Canal. This teacher came out. She was really nice. She came out. You guys, have you ever done it before? No. You can see I'm dressed ready for water. And what you do on the paddle boards is, firstly, she holds it against the side, and then she gets you to kneel onto it. So you're kind of off the edge, and you kind of kneel on with your, with your knees, right? On you get onto the paddle board. I'll demonstrate up here. Here's the paddle board, right? So the paddle board's right here. You're on the side. She shows you how to do it. It's really simple, she says. Yeah, right. It's simple on land. Water moves. I don't think she recognizes this slight difference. But she says, right, just go like this. And when you put one knee on the paddleboard, guess what the paddleboard does? It starts going like this, right? I'm thinking, this is not so good. And I'm starting to think this was not the best birthday present ever, you know? So I'm there on the paddleboard, and then she gives you the paddle, and she says, just get used to paddling it with your knees. Now, a paddleboard paddling on your knees... I was going, this is all right. I can do this. And you're quite stable on your knees because you're quite low to the board. And we were paddling around Brentford Lock, or the little harbor there, and it was going really well. 
And then she said the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Now stand up, she said. I said, you've got to be kidding me. She said, I'll show you how easy it is. And she just went, boop, up like that. I just thought, this, this woman is just, it's not, no. I'm fine on my knees. I could paddle all day on my knees. Let me, let me alone. Let me just stay there. She said, no, 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 no. You're looking good. I'm sure you can do this. I'm thinking, she's... And, and what, do you see what happens? You're on your knees, right? Get back on my board here. You're on your knees, like this. You got your paddle. And then you have to somehow stay balanced on the water and kind of move one leg like this without falling off. I managed it. One leg. It got a bit tipsy, right? But I'm there with one leg. The problem is you have to move the other one as well, right? That's, that's where this whole process falls away. Because I'm thinking, how, how can I move this without the board just flipping me off? I had no faith. She's there. She's going, you can do it. I mean, Inika's already done it. She's sailing off into the distance, heading off towards Osterley somewhere. I'm going, no. You know? Faith is being sure and certain. Even when it's wobbly. Even when you're not sure. I did it. As you can see, they didn't have to crane me in from a helicopter and lower me down just onto the board, you know. I managed to get up, and the more you do it, what happens? The easier it becomes. Why? Not because it's any easier, but because you have more confidence that you're not going to fall into Brentford Lock and die, but that actually you can do this. Faith is like that. That is the kind of faith that we need. Sometimes Jesus says it's, it's going to be wobbly. It's always going to be wobbly. This guy, it was wobbly for him. What happens if I, if I risk everything and Jesus doesn't do anything? What? He said, if you're willing. And what happens if Jesus says, today is not the day, my friend. Go away. He had to risk it all. He had to, he had to try and stand up on his own paddleboard. And see how he could do. But the Bible says over and over again, faith is just instrumental in receiving the blessing. This is Jesus later on. He says, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree. Do you remember where he cursed it and it all, all died and withered up? But he said, you can say to a mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. I was reinterpreting that to the water to become like concrete so I could actually get up. But if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. You got a Bible? Underline that. If you believe, you will receive. And the opposite of that, he said in Matthew 13, when he was back in Nazareth, he didn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Trust, belief is critical to receiving the blessings from God. If you don't believe in the power of God to bring about change, 
If you don't say to God, if you are willing, God, I know that you can do this. I know that you have the power. I know you're the person that can make the change. I'm just asking you right now, then you won't receive. We have to have that kind of faith. And what happened? The last thing is you need obedience. What did Jesus do in the story? What did he do? He reached out and he touched the guy, right? Think for a moment. Think back to what I said about John earlier on. A guy that is wasting away. A guy that can't even look at himself because he's so disfigured. A guy that doesn't want anybody to see him, so he hides himself from head to foot in rags. A guy that hasn't received a touch from anybody else because he's not allowed to touch anybody or have them touch him. What does Jesus do? Touches him. What will happen every time to receive the blessing of God is that God will ask you to do something. And often it's something you don't want to do. I bet the man was like, don't touch me. Just say the word. Just don't, but don't, don't, don't touch me. I haven't been touched for so long. And I'm not, I'm not pleasant to touch. I don't want you even coming. Just do it from a distance where it's comfortable. But Jesus said, no, no, no. I need to touch you. If you're going to receive the healing, I need to touch you. You need to know what it feels like again to be touched. And for you and me to receive the blessing, often God will ask you to do something or there will be some response that has to happen. And if you don't allow, if you don't do that, the blessing doesn't happen. You know the classic case in 2 Kings? Do you remember when Naaman... The Aramean army officer, he had leprosy, came to Elijah. Do you remember what Elijah said? Elijah didn't even come out of his door. He was, he was there having a cup of tea or something. And he said to his servant, oh, there's Naaman, and he's got all his army with him, and he's got leprosy, and he hears that you can, you can heal him. And what does Elijah do? He just goes, tell him to go wash himself in the Jordan seven times. Go down to the Thames, throw yourself in seven times, and after that, you'll be well. And Naaman goes away really angry. He says, this is ridiculous. What's, what a ridiculous thing. We've got plenty of decent rivers where I come from. Why have I got to go? What's so special about the Jordan River that I've got to go all the way to the Jordan, throw myself in seven times to receive the healing? This is just crazy. And do you remember his, uh, his servant who was Jewish, Jewish woman? She said, hey, if he'd asked you to do something you know, crazy, something else, would you do it? And he said, yeah, I guess. So why won't you do this? And so he went off and he did what he was told to do, as crazy as he thought it was. And when he came out the seventh time, he was healed. God will always check your obedience. You want to receive the blessing, he'll say, David, then you need to do this. Or you have to go here. Or you have to talk to this person. You've got to, this is what I want you to do. And if you just say, no, I'm not doing that, he'll say, well, then the blessing is it's linked. I'll wait. The blessing's still there. 
but you won't have access to it until you're obedient. Do what I'm asking you to do. Sometimes it was mud in people's eyes. Sometimes, you know, Jesus did all kinds of crazy things. But that was to be obedient to his Father so the blessing can flow. You know, the truth is that blessings flow when we align our lives to Christ, not when we try and align Christ to ours. This is the problem. We want the blessing, but we want it on our terms. We say, Lord, just come and give me the blessing, will you? Lord, I want this. And the Lord's saying, yeah, the blessing's already set aside for you. But in order to access it, you need to align yourself, put yourself in the right place to receive it. But what we want is for Christ to come over to where we are, to align Christ with where we want, how we want it to be, and say, Lord, come and bless me, bless me, bless me in this situation. And Jesus says, yes, the blessings there, just step over and align yourself to how I'm going to do it. And then it's yours. And so often we miss the blessings of God because we don't align ourselves with God. Blessings flow when we align our lives to Jesus Christ and when we stop trying to get him to align to us. But before we close, come back with me to that same town that we visited earlier. It's early morning and most people are still snuggled up in their beds but there's one solitary man walking the streets. Let's follow him and see what he does. He's striding along with purpose, and we, we have to run to try and keep up with him because he obviously knows where he's going. He turns around one corner of one street and down an alleyway and round another corner. He must have done it many times before. And finally, he slows as he approaches a final corner. I wonder what he's going to do. As we look at the scene before us, it doesn't look anything special. It's just a corner in a town. Buildings all around. And then we notice over on one side, there's a wooden bench there. And on the bench, it says, this is the site of, and then the man sits on the bench and covers the rest of it. What's he doing? He looks out at the scene he sees before him and he starts to cry with tears trickling down his face. Are they happy tears or or sad tears? It's hard to tell. But after a while, a smile breaks out across his face and he's obviously remembering something, a fond memory. Well, the sun starts to come up now. And people start coming out of their houses and they're, they're passing by this corner. Morning, John, they shout. He raises his hand or nods in acknowledgement. 
He's getting up now. He seems to be thinking his thinking time is done and it's time to go. So he retraces his steps back the way he came. And he gets to his front door. And as he opens the door, three children come running out. Six, eight, and ten. They give him a big hug and they shout, Daddy, Daddy, you're home. Morning, he says, did you sleep well? And there, as he looks through the open door, is his beautiful wife, Julie. With her most radiant smile on her face. And John thinks to himself how happy and fortunate he is. More than he's ever been in his life. You see, he remembers a time when he wished for death. But now he embraces life every single day in all of its fullness. God longs to bring blessing to his children. This morning, I'm going to ask you, where in your life or the life of those around you, do you need a blessing from God? He longs to bring it. He longs to take the Johns of this world and bring transformation in their lives. What do you need God to do for you today? Or through you, even better, into someone else? I'm going to ask Grace to, to play for a moment. And as he does so, just, just talk to Jesus today. If you want to use the rail, we leave these up so that you can just come and kneel at the cross and do that. But ask him today. Come in faith. Come speaking to him. Throw yourself upon him. Forget about all the distractions. Just ask him for what you need because he's a good God who longs to give good gifts to his children. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And as we spend a few moments either in our chairs or up the front just seeking your face, thank you that you love to pour out from the storehouses of heaven into us, your children. And so we come and we ask, not as strangers, not as friends, but as co-heirs with Christ because of what you've done for us. Speak into our lives, we pray, in the name of Christ. Amen.
Father, for all your blessings, we give you thanks and we give you praise. Thank you that you just love to keep pouring out into us, through us, into others. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But we just receive it. As we sang earlier, bring healing and restoration and wholeness. Bring blessings so that we might be blessed and be a blessing to others. We thank you. Thank you for your word to us today. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been frustrated that you don't seem to be going deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ? You come along to worship week after week, but then, you know, God speaks to you through the message or through the songs or the prayers or fellowship through someone else or whatever it is. Or, but then actually, you know, the life just catches up with us and we don't have an opportunity really when God speaks to us to really reflect on that and then align our lives to what God is saying to us. You know, if you think back over the last year, how, how are you different in your relationship with Jesus Christ now than you were, say, a year ago or two years or three years, five years ago? In October, we're going to start a new series. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in detail about really what Jesus was saying to us in the prayer that he taught us. But as we do that, we are going to have a time after the service for another hour from 12.15 to 1.15 for those that wish to, to stay on and really unpack for yourself what that means in my life. What that means for me to align my life to what I've just heard about in the Word of God. And to do that in a, a small group with other people and be accountable to them and to find ways, practical ways of putting this into practice in our lives so that we do grow and we do go deeper in our relationship with God and we begin to align our lives more and more to what God would have them be as his disciples. So I'm going to put the dates up for you. It won't be every single week. And I'm inviting you to sign up to this new course, this uh, new opportunity. Obviously, everybody can come to the morning service, but if you would like to spend that extra time going deeper in your relationship, then do sign up. What I'm asking from you is a commitment. A commitment first to be open to what God says to you and to really truly align your life. This is not just a talking shop. It's not just another course for you to come along and listen to. It's a course for us to work together and to encourage one another about how can I change, how can I grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ and, and see the fruits of that uh, alignment and that fruits of that growth. So I'm asking you firstly uh, to be open to that, secondly to commit. So if you cannot commit to the whole course then I would suggest that you leave it to a time where you can commit because we'll be building week on week on week and, and it's really for people that can make that commitment to one another and if we start missing weeks then, then it starts to uh, become more complicated to do that. It's about building week by week as we journey together through this. So there'll be more details coming out, but, but I'll put on the, the screen the dates, and I just wish for you to pray about whether this is right for you right now. I recognize that not everybody practically can do that 
won't have the time or the availability to be able to stay. But for those that can and, and feel that this is a, a step for God, then I encourage you to do this. And I'm sure we'll see the blessing of God being poured out upon us as we take this extra time to focus on His Word and to focus on our lives and aligning our lives more and more in tune with His Word. We'll pray about this and then if you feel that this is something you're called to do right now, then do talk to me, let me know, and, uh, and then sign up for this course uh, together. Once we finish this, uh, this series of nine sessions on the Lord's Prayer, then next year there'll be another course that uh, you can sign or, or not sign, it's up to you. Uh, or other people, if you can't sign now, you'll be able to sign for the next course. And through this, hopefully, um, we pray that God will take us deeper into Him and that we will increasingly be the disciples that He desires us to be. Well, God bless you as you pray about this, as you think about this important step in your life and in the life of what it means to be part of this church here at Trinity.